Good morning. Welcome. All right. It's so good to see everyone this morning, but I have a burning question. Uh, you've probably, if you're a parent of little ones in school, you've probably already been asked that, but how's it going? <laughs> no, really, how's it going? <laughs> you, how many of you are parents of little ones and you're doing virtual learning? Okay. You, so, and you're here. You said, but how many of you are teachers, educators? Okay, you're, you're all superheroes. You are all superheroes. I, I put myself in that, that category, not of superhero, but I mean, but uh, I am a parent of three who are doing virtual learning, and it's been interesting. It has been, I've chosen that adjective, it's been interesting. Um, my second grader, who typically is not allowed a lot of time on the computer, um, is learning way too much about Zoom. Um, I think it was Tuesday, I stepped out of the room, he was supposed to be working on reading, and when I came back, he was changing the background of Zoom to like a Hawaiian setting. I'm <laughs> just like, oh Lord. So yeah, it's, it's going like that. Um, but we shall get through this, right? We're all working together and praying for one another, and let's keep lifting our educators up in prayer, and uh, we're all in this together. Anyways, welcome. Uh, so good to see your faces. Welcome those of you who are joining online. So glad that you are with us today. Now, um, the last couple of times that I've shared, I have not told a joke, and I've been hearing some feedback about that. Um, I actually get emails. Like, people are like, Pastor Lucy, you didn't tell a joke. <laughs> I didn't realize it was like that significant. Apparently it is. The masses have spoken. So um, I don't have a joke because I want to keep this morning going, but I, I have, I guess it's a pun or a riddle. Um, but what um, do you call a hot dog who is pretending to be spaghetti? Hot dog pretending to be spaghetti. An impasta. You're welcome. <laughs> you asked for it. <laughs> okay. Well, enough of that. This morning we are continuing on um, in our series in Matthew uh, chapter 5. We've been looking at um, back to the not-so-basic basics. And um, this morning we are going to be taking a look at uh, Matthew 5 verse 8, which is actually one of my favorite verses uh, in the Bible. Um, I, if you've heard me share before, you've heard me say that before. This is my favorite verse. This is one of my, no, th I'm seriously, this is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. And it says, uh, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
Um, I read that out of the English Standard Version. I'll be in just a minute reading it out of the message translation. But we're talking today about blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And I know that lately we've been seeing a lot of things going on in our world. Uh, we've seen sickness. Uh, we've seen turmoil and unrest. We've seen anger, confusion, panic. We're seeing a lot of things. Um, if you turn on the news, which I try not to do too often, but I do want to stay abreast of what's going on, so I watch it. But um, you're not too long into the news broadcast before you're just seeing a lot of stuff, uh, just inundated with stuff. We're seeing a lot. And um, I, you know, I just had to ask myself, in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all of the things that we are seeing, are we seeing God? Am I seeing God in the midst of all of this? I think it's, it's an important question. Uh, are we able to see him in the world around us? Now, um, I said I'm going to read from the message translation because I really like how this is worded. I really like how they translated this verse. It says, you are blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. So when you get your inside world put right, mind, heart, <clears throat> then you can see God in the outside world. I really like that. So when scripture talks about our heart, we know um, that it's not talking about our literal, physical um, flesh and blood heart. So what is it talking about? Well, the strong concordance says that the heart is translated um, our core or our center. Um, it's our, our thoughts, our minds, our feelings. The Christ book commentary puts it this way. In, he in Hebrew psychology, heart is literally the human center, the home of personal feeling, willing, and thinking. We can translate pure in heart, therefore, as clear at the center. In other words, there's nothing polluting us at our very core. We're clear at the center. So in essence, Jesus is pronouncing a blessing on those who are centered on God. Their very core, their very substance is centered on him. So we're going to take a closer look today at this passage. And uh, the last time that I spoke on the meek, I gave you uh, three points, and they all started with the letter P. Uh, we talked about the uh, position of the meek, uh, a picture of the meek, and then the possession of the meek. And that worked. Um, got some feedback that that worked out, so we'll do it again. <laughs> so this time we're going to look at three points of uh, the pure at heart, each one starting with a P. We're going to look at the practice of the pure at heart, the peril of not being pure at heart, and the promise that is given to the pure at heart. So let's start out with the practice of the pure in heart. How do we get to a place uh, where we are completely centered on God, where our thoughts, our emotions, our will are fully his, where we're fully aligned with him, where we are unpolluted, if you will, at the core? Well, we begin by asking God to do some things in us. That really is where it starts. It's a conversation with the Lord, and we begin to ask him to do some things inside of us. And then we cooperate with his Holy Spirit as God begins to show us areas in our lives that are not fully aligned with him. 
as he begins to show us thought patterns that are not fully aligned, as he begins to uh, show us our will, um, our desires that are not fully surrendered to him. So we're going to take a look at a few scriptures today that illustrate this. Um, The first one is Psalm 5110, and this is David. He's crying out to the Lord. Uh, And David says, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Now, David is crying out. This is a prayer to the Lord. And he's saying, God created me a clean heart. Um, David cried out to God after a a situation where he had committed adultery, had taken another uh, man's wife uh, for himself. Uh, It uh, resulted in the birth of a child. That child did not survive. Uh, and David, realizing that he had just veered off of God's path, that he, he was no longer God was at the center, um, David cries out to God and he says, God created me a clean heart, renew a right spirit within me. And later on in verse 12, he says, give me a willing spirit to sustain me. Or in other words, make me willing, make me willing to obey, says another translation. So even the will to do God's work comes from him. Uh, I remember um, when I was in Bible college, I was really struggling with forgiving someone uh, who had offended me. And um, I was talking to one of my spiritual advisors and she said, "Uh, Lucy, are you willing to forgive? And I said, I'm not willing, but I want to be willing. (laughs) And uh, that's a good place to start want to be willing. And, and again, that takes a work of the spirit. Even the, the will to do God's will <laughs> comes from him. And so David cries out, create in me a clean heart. Uh, again, in uh, the book of Psalm, this time we're going to look at chapter 139. Again, this is David crying out to the Lord. Psalm 139 verses 23 and 24. David says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Now, I think it's interesting that um, David ends this passage with those words. Search me, O God. Try me. Know my anxious thoughts. Because the entire passage uh, of 139 is talking all about how God knows us. (laughs) It it, it starts out by saying, you know, when I sit, you know, when I rise, you know, my thoughts from afar. Uh, He he talks about uh, being knit together and God knew him when he was being knit together and formed in his mother's womb. God knows us intimately. And David knew that. He, He knew that God knew him intimately, yet he said, search my heart. Reveal. Why? The search wasn't for God's benefit. The search was for David's. <laughs> the fact that he was saying, God, search me. Try me. Try those thoughts. Um, put them, test them to the fire. See if there is any wicked way, any grievous way in me. That was for David's sake, not for God's. God already knows. And so that is a daily prayer. And I can't emphasize the word daily, where we're daily crying out to God and saying, God, show me. Is there anything in my heart that is grievous to you? Is there anything in my heart that doesn't line up with your heart? Uh, Is there any malice in my heart towards someone? Is there any unforgiveness, pride? Am I coveting what someone else has or being resentful toward them because they have it and I don't? Um, We need to daily come before the Lord with that prayer, asking him to search our hearts and to reveal what is there. Again, he already knows that searching is for our benefit. Uh, and then Romans 12, 2. 
This passage tells us, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So now we're going to get into the word. We're going to allow the word to begin to change us from the inside out. Martin Luther, a central figure in the Protestant Reformation, states this. He says, what is meant by a pure heart is this a heart that is watching and pondering what God says and is replacing its own ideas with the word of God, right? We're going to be subject to the word of God. We're going to open his word and we're going to read it. It's not good enough to sleep with it under our pillow. It's not good enough to have it on the bookshelf or display. We actually have to crack it open. We have to begin to read it. We have to ask God to begin to reveal his word to us and to allow it to change us. The change starts on the inside and it works its way out. Be transformed by renewing our minds. So this is how I've summarized it. The practice of the pure in heart is an active pursuit to know the heart of God and to align my thoughts, my emotions, and my will to God's. I don't do this on my own, but with the help of the Holy Spirit. And it starts by asking him to work in us. And then we get into his word and we begin to practice what his word says. We allow it to change us. The practice of the pure. So next we're going to take a look at the peril of not being pure at heart. If the pure at heart see God, if those whose minds and emotions are centered on God see him, well, what do those who are not centered on God see? I venture to say that they see the world on the human level primarily and not on the spiritual level. Their view and our view, if we're not careful, is based only on what the human or natural eye can see. We're going to take a look um, at a story about a man named Asaph. Uh, I've actually preached on this passage before. Um, and Asaph's story teaches us some pretty um, important lessons. So if you'll turn with me to Psalm chapter 73. We're going to take a look at what happens when we get off-centered, what we begin to see. So um, Asaph's story, it actually begins really well. <laughs> he starts out, uh, chapter 73, starts out with him praising God and saying, oh, give thanks to God. You know, God is good. Um, he's good to Israel. And then he quickly goes into kind of confession time, kind of real talk time, uh, where he just kind of unloads and says, you know, but I, I almost got tripped up. But my feet almost stumbled because of this. Verse 3 tells us, it says, for I envied the proud when I saw, when I saw them prosper despite their wickedness. So Asaph, he takes his eyes off the Lord. He allows himself to be knocked off center because he starts to look at something with his human, his natural eyes. And he notices, you know, the wicked are prospering even though they're wicked. I mean, they're not honoring God, they're not serving him, but they're still prospering. Now, how, how is this? Like, how do I reconcile this? And he really, he, the passage just goes on to tell his story of how he, he says, you know, he starts complaining and he's like, you know, this isn't fair. I mean, they don't suffer, they don't worry, they don't get sick, their children are healthy. And he's just going on and on and on. Now, of course, those things are not true. <laughs> they do get sick. Um, their children are not always well. Things don't always always work out for them. But this, again, he's seeing with his natural eye and he's making a judgment and he's saying, 
you know, they, they just continue to prosper no matter what. And it goes on to say that he says, I was like a brute beast before the Lord, just complaining and just, you know, almost like demanding, like, I, I want to know what's going on here. Why is this happening? They're not honoring God, but yet they're prospering. And then something happens. Turn with me to verse 17. His lens begins to change. It says, um, then I went into the sanctuary, O God, and I finally understood the destiny of the wicked. He got into God's presence. He realigned himself. He started looking at God. He came back to center and he said, oh, now I understand. It wasn't until he got into the presence of God. It wasn't until he centered himself back <laughs> that he understood some things. He began to see clearly. He began to see not with his human natural eye. He, he began to have a godly perspective of what was going on, an accurate and clear perspective. Now, I think that this snippet um, of Asaph's life shows just how quickly or easily we can get off center. Just in that moment of him taking his eyes off of the Lord and starting to look in the natural at what was going on, he just, he got knocked completely off center. So again, it's so crucial for us on a daily basis to ask God, Lord, keep me centered. Keep my thoughts, my priority, my will, my desires lined up with you my very core lined up with you. Later on, verses 25 to 26, after Asaph once again is centered on God, once again he has a godly perspective, he says this now, verses 25 to 26, whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. My heart and my flesh may fail, and my spirit may grow weak, but God remains the strength of my heart. He is mine forever. The danger of not keeping our hearts pure is that we begin to see with our natural eyes only. So we looked at the practice of the pure, the peril of not being pure, we're not having our emotions, our will lined up with God. Now we're going to look at the promise given to the pure in heart. The promise is that they shall see God. The pure in heart shall see God. The strong concordance says that the Greek word used here for see is perceive or discern. So the pure in heart will be able to perceive or discern God. I want to ask you something. Have you ever realized that you see what you're looking for? We tend to see what we're looking for, right? I was thinking about optical illusions, and I, I found an image. They're going to put it up on the board. And I, I, I chose a super easy one. Like, this is like you guys should see this. <laughs> okay, how many people see the black chalice thing? Okay, you see it? Okay. Now, looking at how many of you see two people face to face? Okay, I mean, this was super easy. I, I used it in first service and said, you know, I used an easy one because, I mean, come on, it's 9.15, so people, you know, got to get their motor started. But, you know, second service, I figured you guys would get this right away, and I almost thought about giving you a harder one. <laughs> but um, we, how, how often have, um, I'll just say for myself, 
there have been many times that I've looked at an, an image and I see something right away. And then someone says, oh, do you see the horse? And then I look at it again and say, oh, yeah, there, there's a horse right there. Um, I didn't see it the first time because I wasn't looking for it. But now that they pointed it out, well, do you see the horse? Oh, now I'm looking for the horse. There it is. We tend to see what we are looking for, right? Yeah. And so I began to think, do I actively look for God? I want you to ask yourself that. How often do I actively look for God? How often do I ask him to give me eyes to see him? Am I able to see the goodness of God in the land of the living, as David said? Or am I only able to see problems, hardships, the seemingly negative? Am I able to perceive or discern what God is doing in my heart, in my family, in my community, in my world? Here's a fun fact about me. I know that you really wanted to know a fun fact today. <laughs> the fun fact is that um, if I am in a room that has windows, I want to be able to see out of the window. So if I come into the room and the blinds are closed, I immediately, almost immediately, if I have something in my hands, I put it down, I go and I open. I don't care if it's my house or not or my office or not. I just, if there's a window, the blinds are closed, I just go open them. I, I want to be able to see. Same thing with curtains. If I go into a room and the curtains are drawn, I open them. I just, there's something about not being able to see. I don't like it. I want to be able to see, and I want to be able to see clearly. I don't want anything to obstruct my view. And, um, you know, years ago, uh, this is when I was living in Muncie, Indiana, um, a woman, we were in a church service, and she came over to me, and we began a conversation, and then into the conversation, she goes, you know, I get the sense that you're the type of person very discerning woman. I get the sense that you're the type of person, you don't like to sit in the back. You like to sit up front. And you, you want to be fully engaged. You want to be right where the action is. And I said, well, actually, that yeah, that's true. It, I, I want to be able to see clearly. I want to be able to be fully engaged. And I don't want anything to obstruct that, to get in the way of that, to interfere with it. And so I began to think, if I feel that way in the physical, how much more important should that be in the spiritual? That I don't want anything to obstruct my ability to see clearly. I don't want anything to interfere with my ability to see God clearly and to fully engage with him. So Hebrews 12:2 it speaks to this. It tells us something about this. Uh, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, it says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. I want to see God. I want to see him. It is my prayer for every single person sitting in this room and every person watching online. It's my prayer that our desire is to see God and to see him clearly, to discern him, to perceive what he's doing, to know what he's up to, and not to just walk through this life seeing only in the natural. I want to have a godly perspective. And you know... I, if I find that I'm having difficulty doing that, if I find that I'm having difficulty seeing him clearly, I have to go back to this question, how's my heart? What's going on inside of me? 
How is the inside doing? How are my thoughts? What are my thought patterns? What are my emotions? Is my will submitted to his will? I have to start asking myself those questions when I begin to have difficulty seeing him clearly. I think those are great questions to ask ourselves. You know, to be honest, um, when we look at this world today and when people look at this world today, it would be easy to see, again, talking about the natural, it would be easy to see God as maybe uncaring, unfair, partial, distant. So I think it's important, so important, maybe more now than ever, that at the core of us, we are centered on God. Why? Because that's when we see him. That's when we see him for who he truly is. We see him clearly. So we don't see him as someone who's distant, as someone who's unfair, as someone who is partial. We see him as he is. We see him as compassionate. We see him as loving, patient, kind, faithful, impartial, forgiving, all-powerful, all-knowing, and the list goes on and on. The pure in heart see God. That's my prayer, that my heart, my center, my emotions, my thinking, my will are fully aligned with him because I want to see him. It's my prayer for you today.